Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Luna Love of the Podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Araqual people of the Bundjalung Nation, and pays respects to elders past, present, and emerging. I'm your host, Jordana Levine, and today I'm coming to you with a very special announcement. As of this week, Lunar Lover, the podcast, will become a weekly podcast show. You'll receive an episode regarding the astrological season, an episode for the new moon, an episode for the full moon, and a bonus interview episode where a guest and I discuss one of the themes of the current astrological season. So as many of you know, it is Virgo season. If you didn't know that, you might want to go back to last week's episode and catch up on Virgo season. But with every star sign, there are challenging aspects that can often be felt by everyone collectively when the sun is in that sign. Yeah, and the sun is in Virgo now until September 22nd. So we're likely to feel some of these qualities. Now, there are beautiful qualities of Virgo. They are helpful, analytical, hardworking, healing, selfless, refined, ordered, precise, methodical. Oh, keep saying those words to me. I love it. (laughs) And thoughtful. They're so thoughtful. Yeah, they're the beautiful qualities of Virgo. They're the things that you can access, the energy that you can access during Virgo season, whether you have Virgo in your chart or not. The challenging aspects of Virgo that may manifest are things like they can be really fastidious, critical, obsessive, workaholics, myopic. They can be um, obsessed with like health and wellness a little too structured with their routines. And often, unsurprisingly, all of this can lead to anxiety. Also worth mentioning, Virgo is ruled by the planet Mercury, which means that for an Earth sign, there can be a lot of overthinking going on with Virgo. So I thought it could be really helpful for us to kick off this interview series and really, really tap into the energy of Virgo season by talking to an expert about anxiety. Because I think most of us have experienced anxiety in our lifetime. Many of us experience anxiety on a daily basis. (laughs) Uh, Hand in the air. Um, So... I have asked Georgie Collinson from the Anxiety Reset podcast to sit down and chat with me about some of the different ways we can work with and holistically approach anxiety. If you're not familiar with Georgie, you will be after this episode. She is an anxiety mindset coach, an RTT hypnotherapist, a naturopath and a nutritionist. And she really specializes in helping women with that perfectionistic, pressure-fueled, high-functioning anxiety to master their anxious minds. After years of struggling with her own high-functioning anxiety in her early 20s, Georgie finally discovered a lasting breakthrough with a holistic combined approach. This is what I'm most excited for you guys to learn about because she doesn't just tackle anxiety through the mind. Yeah. She looks at it. Well, like I said, from a really holistic approach, which in itself is very Virgo. And I did find out during this interview, which I didn't know when I asked Georgie to come on the podcast, but she has quite a bit of Virgo in her chart. She's got a Virgo moon 
and Virgo rising. So she really understands these Virgo qualities, which I think is how this method that she's developed has come about. It's called the anxiety reset method. We talk about it in the episode, but it's basically a system that works with anxiety from the thoughts you think, the food you eat, the state of your gut health, your hormones, and your lifestyle. If you want to learn more about Georgie, which I'm sure you will after this episode, you can head to her Instagram. Her handle is at Georgie the Naturopath or listen to the Anxiety Reset podcast. All right, let's jump into the interview. I will be back next week to chat to you all about the Pisces full moon. But until then, please enjoy this interview with Georgie Collins. I want to start off by asking you what your sun, moon and rising sign is. Oh my God, I love this question. And I forgot to tell you, Jordan, I had the most amazing astrology reading, like with an astrologer yesterday. So oh wow, timely. This is so bizarrely aligned in so many ways. And I love that we want to talk about, you know, it's, it's the Virgo new moon sort of timing. And so we're talking about Virgo energy as well. And um, I am a my rising sign is Virgo. My moon sign is Virgo. So I, I really get Virgo. And it's really interesting how that aligns with high functioning anxiety and what I help women with. It's so my story, but also I'm a, I'm a Taurus sun. Yeah. And do you so identify with Taurus? I really do at the same time. Like there is a big part of me that loves being in the senses and beautiful things and beautiful experiences and pleasures in life, which I really feel that's so Taurus and we're so in the body. And interestingly, one of the ways I guide people out of the anxiety and is to get ourselves out of our mind and back into our body. And that's where I've always found so much peace and solace as well. So that's my answer to that question. Well, it's really interesting just so the listeners know, when I asked Georgie to come on the podcast to talk about anxiety during Virgo season, I didn't know you had Virgo in your chart. I didn't know what your star sign was at all, actually, like what any of your chart was. And I wasn't surprised at all to hear that you had double Virgo in there. I was surprised to hear you were a triple earth though. But what's interesting about Virgo is it's ruled by the planet Mercury which of course is all about like communication and information processing and it does take place in the mind. So for an earth sign, it is quite cerebral. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's so true. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how you sort of got into the area of expertise, I guess, of anxiety because it's such an unusual area to end up in. And I feel like it must've come from quite a personal place. Oh, a hundred percent. It was very much my journey. So I, with anxiety for me, it started out on that level of, I don't have a problem. Like I'm, I'm all good. Like this is, and I, and I don't even know if problem is the right word, but I think it's very easy for the typical woman with high functioning anxiety. We're very used to just getting on with things and we, we kind of get into this zone of like, this is just how life is and almost how life has to be as well this sense of like always that pressure on your shoulders, the, the, the need to be the high achiever, to do well in all areas. So going back to me in high school, you know, this, this was just the classic, like type A personality always never, never would I hand in an assignment late. What, what is that? I might, I might push it to the last minute. Like I wasn't necessarily that, like I was organized, but I would, I would organized in the sense that it would never be late. Like it would always be in, Um, and you know, looking for, to get the high marks and things also caring about what people thought of me, what the boys thought of me, wanting to impress everyone, all of those things very much like I would do my best to be perfect in every way. And that felt like a pressure and there was anxiety a hundred percent around exams and things like that. But then when it really erupted for me in a whole new way was when I was 19 years old and my parents all of a sudden split up and that was very much something that, you know, you could say there were clues and you could see these things coming, but denial is a very powerful thing too. When you very much don't want something to to the story to go that way, when you don't want to confront that, that reality or that challenge. And I could see that there were imperfections in my parents' relationship. 
but I always loved our family unit as many of us do. And um, to have that suddenly split apart in such an unexpected way, we never thought it would be my dad leaving my mum, and particularly in the circumstances he did, which was for when he was having an affair and all of those things. It was so heartbreaking for us to experience and very much something that felt like, wow, we've been lied to this whole time. And so it was this sense of the whole, the whole unit of support just dissolving. And I, I just felt like all of a sudden I was just, what I thought was a solid rock was suddenly turning to quicksand and I was just sinking down. And I was like, this is not how my life is meant to go. What do I do without this solid foundation? And I would wake up every morning after that, just like telling myself as soon as I woke up and confronted the reality, I'd say it's gone wrong. This is not right. It's meant to be different to this. Dad's meant to be here in the house still and all of those things. And so that was what kind of led me into another level of anxiety where all of a sudden I became very aware that things can just change. Wow, it's scary, right? So scary. And so that protective mechanism came in of like, how can I prevent this from happening or how can I make sure everything's going to be okay and that's where the high functioning anxiety came in for me to find control and to find a sense of certainty I found that in being more perfect more and more perfect or having the best plan and all of those things so there became you know I developed um I started to kind of look into nutrition and I was hearing the ideas in the wellness community at that time of like okay you can eat certain foods that are going to support your mood and your anxiety and your mental state and I was like cool well that's really nice because I don't know how to control everything that's going up in here and I also don't know how to control anything that's going on out there so maybe if I can control my body (laughs) Also very Virgo, keep going. (laughs) If I can work out how to like get this stuff going and and meet my nutritional needs and eat the perfect diet, like I was on this mission to find the perfect diet. It was so crazy. Um, Then it'll all work out. And granted, the blessing is this led me into studying naturopathy and nutrition, which is a huge foundation of what I do now. But it did come from that misguided place. It came from that intention to basically be thinner and and, another form of anxiety right a hundred percent it just morphed into something else because I wasn't doing the emotional and the and the you know work on my mind stories and all of the other things that needed to happen um I was just kind of like switching into another gear which is why it really frustrates me when people want to just give people some foods to eat like these are 10 anti-anxiety foods or heal your gut for anxiety as though that's the one thing it helps it a hundred percent is useful i've had clients who literally that was something that was such a big trigger and when we worked on the gut and we got you know to the bottom of some issues there it was like oh this this relief that can happen but it's definitely not the case for everyone and it's only one piece of the puzzle and so you know like for me for example it's very clear i've got something around control and needing certainty and and the heartbreak and the disappointment of what I what happened to my family. And so that those were things I needed to look at. But I was just like, I'll just get all the perfect food rules. So I went really into that like disordered eating space, which fueled the anxiety more. Cut me off socially too, because I started to not want to eat out with people or, you know, be very careful about what I was selecting and and those kind of things that made it feel like a pressure and not a joy to just hang out and socialize with people. So all of these things culminated and it was the perfect storm that led me into studying naturopathy and nutrition. And through that process, Jordana, boy, did I start learning more and more about myself and had a few more knocks and bumps from life through various romantic relationships and things like that, that had me growing and learning so much more. Eventually, I also, so I was eventually started working, sorry, just as a, as a naturopath. And I was seeing everyone. I was working, working with, you know, from autoimmune conditions to gut health stuff, to skin stuff, everything. But I was always so excited to help the people with anxiety because I knew that story. And I was like, that's where I was still, you know, I'd, I'd done a lot of work, but I was like, there's still some things here I need to, I need to learn. And I'd love to, you know, it's an area of interest and passion. And 
I realized quite quickly there are limits to natural medicine for supporting anxiety. It's amazing in many ways, but sometimes when we're just giving someone a bottle of herbs that calms the anxiety, it works. But is that, how different is that to just giving someone prescription medication wow. that's just like, yeah. you know, the Band-Aid over it. It, it. it helps people cope and that's that's important. But at the same time, is it getting us to grow and listen to those messages from our soul that we need to be working through? So for me, I was just starting to look, well, how can I go deeper? So I ended up doing more training and becoming a hypnotherapist as well, where I can work with the subconscious mind, deal with the deeper trauma and those limiting beliefs. And now I combine all of that together in the work that I do. And I'm absolutely obsessed with it. And I find it just, oh, it's so, it's so beautiful to, to merge the, the mental emotional work with that physical stuff. So you can support people nutritionally you can support hormone imbalances and gut health that stuff matters but it's it all has to come together in this beautiful formula I love the holistic approach to it because just like you said it's not enough to look at your gut and it's not enough to just look at the foods you're eating it's also just not enough to go to a therapist or sit in a psychologist's office if you're not addressing the other things it's all of it together isn't it Exactly. And I think that's always been a frustration of mine is that like almost dismissive that I think it's changing these days. There's a sort of emphasis more on like, you should probably eat well, but it's like, but but what does that mean? (laughs) And eating well too can be a whole kettle of fish for people where it's like, we've got, maybe we've got disordered eating. Maybe we don't know what that looks like. Maybe there's a part of us that is, yeah, not emotionally able to uh, like something believing that we, we we don't deserve to be looked after in that way or look after our bodies in that way There's so many things that go into it are there different types of anxiety because I know you know there's some people who say I'm suffering from anxiety like it's something that's happening in the moment and then there's people who say I have anxiety, like that's a constant thing for me. I'm an anxious person. So are there different degrees of anxiety or types of anxiety? How do we define it? That is such a good question. I think the complexity here starts with the fact that anxiety is an emotion. And the there is an experience, there's a, there's a diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder and then there's anxiety that's an emotion we experience and it's the emotion is there throughout all of these diagnoses. And then there's the overlap of things like OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, ADHD is like the new hot topic, right? And everyone's now confused. Is it like, am I anxious or do I have ADHD? And I think that's very interesting, that one, because I, I'm starting to, to lean more towards the idea that we are over-diagnosing ourselves or or self-diagnosing with ADHD when it's not necessarily the case. We are so set up for lack of focus in so many ways with our devices and TikTok and 15 second videos and everything's so quick, quick, quick. Um, You know, there's literally research out there to show it's very difficult to sit down and read a book these days, like to actually Mm -hmm. cover to cover. Not many people are doing that. And there are, there are actual reasons why that's difficult for our brain. That's not ADHD, but a lot of us will go, but I can't read a book. I can't, you know, it's like, guys, life is so fast now. It's not just you. Like, it's not, it's not like you're the one person struggling with this. So anyway, that's just a little side note. It's a, it's a anxiety is an emotion that we experience and I would say and a state that we experience so I find it very interesting I love to question people who are like I have anxiety I'm an anxious mm-hmm. person because I'm like all the time constantly what about when you're asleep what about <laughs> what about when you're in the shower what about like maybe going to sleep sure sometimes we, but eventually you're asleep you're like you're unconscious <laughs> So then do we see anxiety as a symptom of either not emotionally processing something or overthinking something or a symptom of a circumstance? I would say always it is coming back to some kind of trauma. And trauma is a big scary word for a lot of people because we think that that means my God, like what if, especially when I talk about hypnotherapy and the subconscious mind, because we start to think, 
what if like something horrible happened to me in my childhood and I just have blocked it out and I like I get re-traumatized by discovering it what I love is that when we actually do it's it's there regardless it's impacting you regardless if something did happen that you don't remember those moments like those things are, are more on the rare side um but it, that can happen but even if it does happen if you're exploring it with a trained hypnotherapist or someone who can guide you through that in the moment you get to heal it when it comes up so it's nothing to be afraid of um but typically you know most of us weren't born anxious people we were born babies that would and you know people have issues with like receiving and worth and it's like does a baby sit there and go like I'm not worthy of this milk right now. No, the baby just <laughs> screams and goes, I want, I want food and expects the food, you know, expects mm. to have the needs met and asks for them clearly. And so, you know, there are issues that come back to usually for most people, everything comes back to three things. One is I'm not enough. The other, the other belief, limiting belief that comes back, that it comes back to for people is I'm different. I'm the different mm. one. I don't belong. And the third one is the thing I want is not available to me. Interesting. Yeah. So it's really interesting. And these these beliefs can develop into fears. They can really trigger. I mean, can you imagine like the thing you really want, your heart most is calling for, believing that you can't have that. Of course, we all, we all have something in our lives that we, we hold away from ourselves. So like, no, not me. I can't have that. Other people get to have that, but not me. And particularly when it's meaningful to you, you can, you can understand that creating a sense of pressure, a sense of fear. Believing you're different is like, seriously, that's that's life and death to the brain, to the mind, because to your survival instincts, because that's saying, I don't fit in in the tribe and I could be kicked out in any moment. And to our primitive brain, that's saying like, if you get sick, if anything happens, if you are on your own and there's no one that's going to come in and help you, which is very threatening and, and so much of our mind stuff, our psyche comes back to that. And the I'm not enough. This is where we end up living our lives for other people, seeking that approval outside of ourselves, always trying to prove that we are enough. And particularly, you know, even just looking at the emotional suppression that can come through because you can go through a challenging life event like life is hard let's not pretend that it's not or it doesn't have huge challenges for us to go through sometimes earth shattering sometimes sometimes like completely break you to pieces and it's like why me we all go into our victim mode but our emotions are there to help us reset that is resetting your nervous system to have a cry maybe a hundred times if you need to, or to scream or to punch something. And we all feel that visceral urge. And usually as children, children are having tantrums. Children are, you know, crying and expressing their emotions often a lot of the time until they're being told, don't do that now. Mm. Not in the supermarket. Mum's exhausted. And no, no judgment on mum, no judgment on dad. But it suppresses it, doesn't it? Exactly. It it's not okay to feel. It's not okay to feel. We all get that message at some point in some form. And unless we've got like highly evolved, amazing, emotionally aware parents that are like there to hold space. But how many parents are also able to hold that emotional space all the time when they're exhausted and they've got other stuff going on? We get this buildup of emotion that I like to explain to people. I've been using a volcano metaphor lately. It's like the volcano is just filling and filling with lava, with emotion that we've suppressed and held in. And eventually that's going to explode. And the explosion of that might look like a panic attack or it might or erupt. The It might look like a um, some kind of like, uh, you know, depression even or grief or something happens in our lives that... Um, where the emotion takes us over and we can't suppress it anymore. And so sometimes this just leaks out slowly as a slow kind of not such an eruption, but the, the lava sort of leaking out the sides. And that's more of our generalized or day-to-day -day anxiety that we are like the, the energy of the emotion has to escape somehow. And it tends to just leak out of us regardless if we don't actively work on it. I used to always think of anxiety as a, uh... A state of like overthinking 
like where thoughts are racing, you can't attach them to anything. You're sort of in the future or stressing about the past, but you're not staying present. Yeah. And I do believe that to be true still. But I've also noticed a lot in the last few years, perhaps pandemic related, mm-hmm. that anxiety can also be felt when nothing's really happening in the mind. And it just becomes like a feeling sense in that you get, I guess, the symptoms of anxiety, which are like racing heart, sweaty palms, feeling uncomfortable or, you know, whatever it might be. Can it surface in different ways like that? It sure can. The interesting thing is when we start to go into this place of, and I totally understand people when they say this, but the question is, it's it's happening for no reason often comes up. And I find Mm. that a very unhelpful thing for people to say, because that's very much like, I don't know why, like it just, no, there's no, like it just happens. That makes us feel so powerless so helpless it's like it could just come and get me at any moment and that's only going to fuel more anxiety and I've got no idea how to work with this I always come from the place of and I've been criticized for this before like people have questioned me on that like no sometimes it's just no reason and we just need to like move on it's always there for a reason and I don't mean that for us to go and like on this like analysis paralysis journey of like constantly you know doing that psychoanalysis and needing to figure it out but if it's not something like oh yeah actually I'm really you know it's Sunday night and I'm feeling anxious about work next week and I'm like that's unconscious to me right now and that's the the anxiety if it's not something like that after like a few minutes of kind of reflecting on it it's probably other things like I'm sleep deprived my hormones are out of balance I have you're right I haven't eaten all day. Much coffee, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so yeah. there's always a reason, and I think that's really amazing to know that. And it, and and I think when we kind of take the personal out of it, it's not like you're doing something wrong, but then it's like, oh, cool. So just like don't have as much coffee tomorrow, or maybe like have have a break from coffee, or maybe yeah. we need more sleep. And it becomes this amazing tool to guide us back to how to care for ourselves and how to how to almost. It's like um when you're on the highway and you sort of veer onto those white lines that like have the bumps on them. So it makes that really loud noise that wakes you up. That is anxiety. It's that same thing. It's, 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 we're veering slightly off path in our lives or slightly out of alignment, whether it is physically, like just something as simple as you didn't take care of your physical body today as best as you could, you could have eaten regular meals um, or you could have slept better the night before that's something to now address and orient and, and, and how great we have this little inbuilt alarm system. That's just like, Hey, come look after me. Or it could be the biggest stuff too. It could be like telling you, Hey, maybe like this isn't the best work environment for you. Maybe there's something more aligned and how beautiful to open yourself up as scary as that can be to the possibility that you get to live a life that brings you more fun, more joy and more ease. So tell me, it's likely that you are still an A-type personality. I feel like you didn't just wake up one day and you were no longer a control freak. <laughs> I say that as a fellow control freak. Totally. Um, so how how do we still be Virgo-esque and still strive for perfection and be quite methodical in the things that we do and look seek order and all that sort of stuff mm. and not lean into the anxious uh qualities of that beautiful question so i think one thing that really is is important is noticing that i I love it in the idea of when we have a plan like it's okay to just need a plan and know that that's something that you need and feels good for you like i'm not the kind of i've got friends who can travel like the sagittarius friends in my life who are just like I'm just going to like book a one-way ticket to Europe and just like wing it. No. See what happens when I get there. No, I'm, I need to know where I'm going to be when I arrive and, and the, the weeks following. I love knowing I'm going to be surrounded in a, a, a space that feels comfortable to me to know I can get my work done, all of those things. So I, I feel, because I'm so earthy, like, and we are, you know, that's the Virgo, right? We need to know where our feet are on the ground. And it's okay to just own that about yourself and you can make a plan, but we don't have to make a plan in a way that is 
stressful, we can just make the plan because it relaxes us. This is the thing, right? This is the thing that I struggle with as as a Virgo moon is I have to plan everything because it makes me feel safe and it makes me feel settled. If I have a plan, I feel safe and settled. But it's like not over planning the plan, you know? That's right. So there has <laughs> yeah. to be breathing room and there has to be acceptance that the plan may change. But I think it's nice to have the scaffolding and it's a, it's like a, it's, it's, it can be altered, you know? So knowing you've got the, you've got the plan now you can kind of mold it into what it needs to be. Like for example, a booking that you can make a few months in advance, but you've got a cancellation policy. Like you can cancel free cancellation. Oh, how good is that to know for a Virgo? Or, um, I mean, I live my life on Google calendar. It just, and, and to be honest for a Virgo and the organization part of that, I have a lot of flowiness in that too. So part of me knowing I can structure my life is giving breathing room for flow and flexibility. That also makes me feel relaxed. That's also very Virgo, Georgie, because Virgo is a mutable sign. So it's finding, it's everything you just said. It's finding all of that structure and planning and organization, but being adaptable as you do it and fluid. Do the things that make you feel like you're doing life in a way that feels safe for you. Like, you know, have the safe, like if you're going traveling as an example, because it's such a planned thing, have the safe accommodation booked, have the cancellation policy if you need it, have your plan B, but also know you could cancel that and book something and all of a sudden you're in a totally new place and let that be fun to have the unexpected, to, to allow in some space for surprise and know it's going to be okay either way. You're going to figure it out. It's just that, yeah, you've got your backup. You sort of have an idea of how it's going to go, but it could change too. And that's exciting. Okay. So if someone's listening to this episode and they're thinking, okay, I don't just experience anxiety every now and then I feel like I'm in a constant state of anxiety and it surfaces either through work stuff or relationships or just day-to-day functioning, where's the first place you think they should start? I love this question. Every time I'm asked, I will give a different answer. Okay, what what are you going to say today? (laughs) I know. I'm like, what am I going to say? I don't even know right now because it is a circular kind of a process. Remember I said like we can start with some nutrition stuff, but we have to also bring in some, some mindset and support. But ultimately where I'm going to go today is if we can have more awareness over what anxiety is and we change how we relate to it and we stop hating on the anxiety, that's, that's step one, because we have to start to invite in the possibility that it's actually here as a friend. It's actually here as uncomfortable as it can feel. And I get it. It's also there ultimately to, to nudge you in the right directions. And that could be as simple as not saying, Oh, break up with your partner today. Like it doesn't have to be that big a deal. You may eventually get to things like that, like those bigger life changes, maybe if required for you, but that's only inviting in more of the good stuff, opening you up to a life that's more in alignment with what really matters to you. So it's actually a little indicator of like, Hmm, are you living like as close to your values and what's important to you as you could? And, and what if that is possible to you? And your mind is just telling you this bullshit lie that no, you're not allowed to do that because of something your parents told you, something society told you. Anxiety is asking us to, it's so uncomfortable to stay in that place. We have to seek answers. We have to question the fear. And how great is that? Cause then we get to expand and we get to grow. So shifting away from this idea of like, Oh, I hate this anxiety. It's so horrible. How can I get out of this as quickly as possible? And starting to sit with it and asking those questions. How is this actually here with a message for me? What could it be trying to tell me? How could it be trying to help me in itself just feels like relief. Do you have some circuit breakers for people? Because when you're in the moment of say even a panic attack or maybe maybe lesser lesser on the scale than a panic attack but like in those moments of high anxiety what can break that circuit for me it's standing in the shower with water on my scalp just like stops everything and I can breathe again sometimes I sit on the tiles on the floor of the shower and that helps as well 
What are your circuit breakers? I love that because you've just touched on the the importance of getting back into your body Mm. because you're feeling your body and everything with anxiety and our instinct is like try and run away from the feeling as much as we can. So if we can actually go into more feeling, we are heading in a, in a, in a direction that's, that's useful for us. But cold shower is like, would be like next level because you can't ignore the fact that you're in a freezing cold shower and there is cold on your skin. You can't ignore the shock of that's waking you up and making you go, oh, I'm in a cold. And while that might seem intense for someone that's already in like a jittery state, it's just breaking you out of the thought cycle that is driving the next wave of anxiety, the next wave that, that builds into a panic attack because the panic attack comes from, oh, I'm having a panic attack. Oh no, I'm having a panic attack. What do I do? How do I stop this from happening? Oh my gosh, I'm spinning out of control. Like that's what's happening somewhere in the thought cycle. Everything's going wrong. And the next thought and the next thought and this momentum builds. So if we want to break through that, jumping into a cold shower could be beautiful or, or any kind of shower. It's still going to make you, yeah, you're aware, you're feeling, you're sitting there and you're bringing mindfulness to the fact that you're, there's water on your scalp. Um, yeah. One reason why cold works a little more powerfully too is it's also triggering our vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the nerve that connects our, our brain to our gut. It is like your anxiety off switch because it switches you into your rest and digest parasympathetic mode, which is where we want to be more of the time. And you can't be anxious if you're in that zone. That's where you're digesting your food. There's no threats. Everything's cool. And there's little things we can do to to get into that state. Another one is bitter foods. So one I love to go for is a little bit of apple cider vinegar in a shot glass um, with two thirds. So one third apple cider vinegar, two thirds water, always dilute it. Always, always, always. If you have it on an empty stomach, you will feel nauseous. So if you can get a little bit of apple cider vinegar, add the, add the two, two thirds of water on top of it, shot that down. What it does is it, you can imagine like vinegar on your tongue right now. You can always almost feel already like the tingling in the sides of your mouth of those salivary glands. And that's awesome. Cause that's exactly the reason we do it. We don't do it because we want you to scull a liter of apple cider vinegar, because that's so good for you. It's just the enough of that bitter taste that is going to make your saliva glands tingle, which produces um, saliva. It's one of the first phases of digestion that then leads into uh, your whole digestion system, digestive system switching on. If your digestive system is switched on, you are in your parasympathetic nervous system, rest and digest mode. You can't be in fight or flight at the same time. Fight or flight's where all the blood flow is around your limbs your arms and your legs so you can run away or fight something um you can only be in one or the other so if we're deliberately making your digestion activated you will relax you will be in that calm state um and then my third favorite is lying down with your legs up the wall just 15 minutes they're all great circuit breakers and they're good to have in the bank because i think when we're in the moment it feels like there's no way out of it totally but to know that there's those really, I mean, they're three really easy tools that you can do pretty much anywhere. Um, just to, in that moment, at least, yeah, it might not solve the problem of the anxiety, but it gets you to a space where you're not deep in it anymore. Totally. And that's that's the, the eruption of the volcano happening in that moment where it's like, I'm out of control. Ultimately, where we want to get to is where we're releasing the lava buildup. So we're working on our emotions and we're going into our stuff that, you know, it's great to have some support while you go through that and uh, getting to a place where we, we don't need to have these huge eruptions because we are actually connected to our feelings and we're, we're really doing that inner work that allows it's almost like like I cry all the time Jordana like all the time not not every single day but it happens a lot and I just let it flow if I can I let it flow in the moment I've stopped worrying so much about oh my god is this gonna make my mascara run and like what is this person thinking of me if I can I won't necessarily do that in a client session because my job in that moment is to hold that space for another person but a lot of situations in life that we think we can't cry. Actually you can. Like if I'm on a train somewhere, I'm just going to cry. If I'm on a bus, I'm going to cry. Like I don't care about what people are. If I feel the need to, I don't care mm. about what people around me are, are thinking or doing. If they're judging me, it's only because 
there's a part of them that that is judging themselves for feeling and having feelings do you think that anxiety is more prevalent or do you think we're just talking about it more because it seems to be a very well it's not even I don't even want to call it a buzzword because it's been probably for the last five years or so sort of in the lexicon people sort of use the term anxiety a lot more than they used to right but do you think that it's because we're suffering from more anxiety than we used to because of the world that we live in or do you think we're just talking about it more this is a one I've thought about a fair bit and I go back to thinking about how many literal survival needs for us are so commonplace now we don't even have to think about it how how readily available is food and shelter and and medical care and think about you know not so long ago only a couple hundred 300 years ago those things were not necessarily so readily available you literally could have a child and not know if that child was going to survive these days we were pretty you know we have a pretty high confidence in if i have a child my child's going to live a long healthy life but there were there were times not so long ago when yeah you you'd go, have to go through the grief of of you know or the 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 worry of knowing that maybe maybe this this baby isn't going to survive the winter um what if we don't have enough food what if i don't know a wolf comes like these things that we take for granted these days but at the same time there was a slowness of information there was a you know we weren't bombarded with news across the world situations we can't actually take any useful action in other than maybe donating money there's not a lot that we can do when there's a war happening on the other side of the world we're feeling horrible about it we're seeing updates about it so we just feel really helpless um and never before have we been exposed to you know we see the really traumatic stuff like we literally see footage of bombs exploding and things like that it's it's we are exposed to a lot more emotionally traumatic things at the same time so I don't know the answer, Jordana. Like, we don't have the stats to ever confirm that. But I, I, what I do know is that the mind itself, I don't think has changed. Humans have a mind and the mind is always looking for problems. It is always discontent in this moment now, unless we become conscious of it and we watch that mind and we step back from the fear stories it's telling. But if we let it run rampant, it will always find something else to be afraid of and something else that's not right in this moment. And so it used to find things that were literal survival threats. And now it finds things that are threats within yourself. It goes, why are you not good enough? Why are you not um, safe as a human? Or what's wrong with you? So my answer is, I don't know, but that's sort of my best explanation. Do you know what I mean? No, I do. Like, I personally feel like we are continuously overstimulated. And I know for me personally, when I do, I haven't had one in a while, I'm due for one, but when I do have a break from social media or I try not to watch devices at night or whatever it might be, I feel so much better from an anxiety perspective. Mm. I used to have really bad anxiety in my 20s. I don't know what happened. I do actually. I, I became quite spiritual And somehow my anxiety subsided, I think because I had this like deep, innate faith in the universe looking after me. It settled my anxieties. And then for me personally, it's like this trauma you you speak about. I had a trauma about two years ago that was quite big. And it took me out of that state of trust and faith. Yeah, yeah. I've been questioning person yeah right we've all been there and finding your way back to that deep faith that deep trust can be really challenging and I've I have found that this overstimulation of devices doesn't help with that you know it puts you in this constant sort of like yeah fight or flight yeah a hundred percent i think i mean that's a hundred percent an issue and something that is not helping the situation we are overstimulated perhaps that's you know impacting our sleep quality no doubt it is and all of these other elements around it too um and i wonder if back in the day like just comparing to then and now 
or like our grandparents' generation or our great-grandparents, were they maybe more connected to nature and the cycles and rhythms of the planet and things like astrology or the the basic foundations of it, watching the moon cycle and and being in tune with that energy that I think we have a huge backlash almost like, well, I'm aware of it. And like the circles that we're in, we see so many people like loving talking about the moon and noticing the moon. I, I notice people do that more and more. And I think there is a real call to trust in something greater than ourselves. I grew up without any kind of faith system, atheist sort of background, very much that was encouraged and it was stupid to believe in anything that you can't see with your eyes. And similar to you in my twenties was like, Oh my God, like I need, like, I want, I'm jealous of people that believe in stuff. Like I I feel a, a yearning for that. And I love that you said that trusting in the universe settled so many of your anxieties, because that is something that I teach and I help people with as well. And I don't think our mainstream approaches give people though that sort of support either that honestly I found life-changing and so many of my clients too we have to and I love logicking that's that's the Virgo part too I love like analyzing it and finding the patterns and seeing how does this make logical sense because I've come from that background of like evidence and science and all of it has to be rational and I very much see it all enveloping the scientific world it's like we can I like putting the pieces together and that that feels safe for me as well as a from that Virgo sort of perspective so it's interesting to do that and and yes we will be challenged and we will be thrown off that that path of like trusting and that's sort of like part of the whole thing isn't it and then you trust deeper next time yes and then you have to find your way back and that's why I think what you've said about anxiety being, and I love this analogy because it happens to me all the time when I'm driving on the freeway. Don't freak out, mum, if you're listening. But I do veer off to the side and get that bump, 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 and it wastes you. So this idea that that's your anxiety. For me, when my anxiety is coming up, it's like, what are you not trusting in? Where have you lost your faith? Why are you in fear? Are you safe right now? Yeah, you are. Take a breath, woman. You know, exactly. like it's going through that pattern. So, yeah. And it's, a, it's that ability to, when you can question that fear, it, it, it's literally shining a light on where you're not free and how you can further free yourself from this, basically a story in the mind that isn't even real. It's just like, you know, we're telling ourselves, oh my God, I'm going to die alone. Or like, I'm going to, you know, lose my job and never have any money ever again or anywhere it's like these things that are so irrational but we believe them so easily and I love that because if we can believe that crap so easily why is it so hard to believe that maybe this universe is somehow on your side or supporting you or things are working out for you so you have this method called the anxiety reset method and it is this combination of everything we've been talking about But if people want to know more about utilizing that method, what kind of ways can they learn about it? Totally. I have a 90-day self-paced online program that anyone can sign up anytime. I made it, it used to be like we just opened it for like two or three times a year and you could only sign up at those times. And I'm like, I want people to be able to access it when they need it. Because there's that, we all have that dark night of the soul moment where we're like, oh my God, now is the time. So it's just available whenever anyone wants to sign up and you can go find that information through my Instagram or my website. Um, My Instagram's at Georgie, the naturopath. Okay. And it deals with mindset stuff, nutritional stuff, gut stuff. We go through everything, all the components that are important. Like I said, we can't have one without the other. So there are nine components. There's meeting our nutritional needs. There's gut health. There's hormones. Uh, and balance because PMS is we haven't even talked about our cycles and how that (sighs) I actually do want to talk about that we'll come back to it keep going yeah um there's moving our bodies which is super important and certain ways we can do that more efficiently um stimulants is another one you met you touched on caffeine uh, we also need to consider me uh meaningful connections in our lives super important and anxiety will often have us pushing away from those and isolating ourselves. So um, it's being aware of that, that we actually need to be reaching out more for that that stuff. Uh, connection with nature is super important too. 
and generally I'm like, have I missed one? Oh yeah. Sleep, rest and fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guilt-free sleep, rest and fun. And then the last one is awareness of our thoughts. And that's the one that I, I open up into a, la- a huge labyrinth <laughs> of all the ways that we need to be working on our, our mind and our emotions as well. Let's talk about cycles just quickly, because of course this podcast is all about the moon, which is a cycle that we lean into monthly, whether we're giving it awareness or not, we're being affected by the moon cycle. But for women, who is most of the audience that listens to this podcast, of course, our menstrual cycles play into that as well. So how does anxiety fit in, have you found in your experience with our menstrual cycles? Two main ways. Mostly it's the luteal phase, which is what happens in the post-ovulation time, somewhere, anytime after ovulation to the lead up of like your period starting where you start bleeding, there is this luteal phase that is where it can be more mild or it can, it can be the whole, usually it's about 14 days, but it can vary. It can be like 16 days for some people. It can be 10 days for others, anywhere between that, that time period. But it's about, let's say two weeks of your cycle. This is like 50% of your life. So it's pretty important, but most of us will notice this sort of gradual, like we're just not quite as motivated or we don't have as much energy or we're not quite as like, interested in a massive social life and and all of those things we want to be more inward in that time and that's perfectly fine and perfectly normal and that is like going into your winter or your autumn time but you're you're kind of heading towards winter where we we hibernate a little bit and it's actually a beautiful recharge if you imagine like the waves of the ocean lapping at the shore this is the part where the waves kind of come back and just gather that energy and and if we do this right we will have a bigger wave of energy on the other side more productivity more output when we are back in our like follicular phase and we're ovulating and everything's great and we got all this energy so it's the rest and recharge time nothing wrong with it but what can happen is if we have some hormone imbalances which are super common mostly driven by our chronic stress and the way we're living our lives so majority of us have some degree of this, uh, particularly often it's about progesterone being a little on the lower side. This can start to show as really like we really notice our anxiety is heightened at that time. We really notice we're like extra moody, extra emotional, feeling very sensitive, maybe you feel bloated. Um, these are some of the signs of PMS that we might all be familiar with. And again, some degree of that is okay as well. Like it can be okay if it's like a couple of days of that um, is all right, particularly if you're just okay to, to reduce what's on your schedule, just cuddle yourself up and just take care of yourself during that time. That's fine. If this is happening for a week or more for you, that's too long and you don't need to be living your whole life like that. Um, or if you notice that the anxiety is so extreme, you're just like, you know, it's, it's damaging your relationships. You're just like, angry at people and and things like that that you don't want to be experiencing um this is the time where it's almost like the lid we keep on our trauma and the stuff we're trying to hold in is the is the thinnest or the like that's when it's all going to come up the more we deal with our shit from the past the less that it's all just going to volcano erupt in in this time of our cycle but we can also be looking after balancing our hormones at the same time on that physical level too. So PMS is one way. Um, the other is sometimes women notice more anxiety around ovulation actually, which is, really? yeah. So that's another one. And then sometimes it's just like two, every two weeks, there's just this like huge wave of anxiety. So it depends, but that's the typical fashion. And usually we will notice that as soon as we start bleeding. Oh. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'll put my hand up to that. I always have, it's probably the day before my period arrives where I am so ridiculously anxious where you can't reason with me. And then, (laughs) and I'm always like, why am I like this? What's going on? And then the day of my bleed, it dissipates and I feel fine and I feel great and I'm a bit tired, but the anxiety has gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that, even that on some level can be okay if we just work with it and we kind of go like I'm I know like clockwork the same stories my mind's going to come up with when I'm in that phase like it's going to start doubting you know my life path my choices everything and I'm just like here we go again I'm almost uninterested in it. I'm almost like this is boring yeah. and that's how I create some distance between it and I'm like yeah. I'm just gonna go what, what what's gonna feel a bit better right now I'm gonna maybe it's putting on a movie maybe it's like 
you know, rescheduling a client if need be, like doing all those things. And I know not everyone can do that in their work, but if you, if you have that availability, go for it. I love the idea that some countries are bringing in menstrual leave now, I think in Norway. Yes. Or How cool is that? So cool. Imagine it's if we so would. Cool. Like, and, and the, the annoying thing is that our work week, our work lives are set up for the man, the masculine or sorry, the male body and physiology, which is like flatline every day. Everything's yeah. the same. <laughs> so to have something like that, like maybe that will start be introduced in more societies and we'll be able in more countries around the world and we'll be, that'll be normal. It should, it's certainly, I wish it was because that would be yeah. so much better for a feminine body, a female body. Um, Absolutely. To be able to, yeah. Go for like a walk in nature that day or just cry in your bedroom that day. <laughs> like have the release. Like just not have to talk to people. Yeah. I like what you said about disengaging from the patterns that you know come up at this time of the month. Or and this, I mean, this can be taken outside of the menstrual cycle as well. Like just with anxiety in general, noticing it, observing it, labeling it, and disengaging from it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think there's so much power in that because you can feel disempowered by your anxiety. Like it's something outside of you, but it is you, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I would say it's, Ooh, that's a good question. Like, is it you? I would say in a way the, the anxiety is a state moving through you of energy and you are so much greater than it. So it's remembering that there is this greater you that's just like, I, I have this analogy of like, you are like this blue sky, big, wide, open blue sky. That's how great and big and powerful you are. Anxiety is just like a little bit of wind coming through. Or maybe it's a strong gust of wind or maybe like the sadness and grief you feel. It's like some storm clouds moving through. That doesn't change the fact that the sun is there and the blue sky is right there behind all of those clouds and the, and the gust and the storm coming through. So I, I think that's a really empowering way to see it so that you don't feel like when the emotion comes through, it's like taking you over. And again, that helps create some distance. Yeah. Um, all right, Georgie, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. If people want to find out more about you, what's where's the best place for them yeah, to go? I hang out a lot on Instagram. At, so at Georgie the Naturopath is probably one of the best places to find me or over on my podcast, The Anxiety Reset Podcast, where we've had you on there twice, Jordana. Yes, and it's so much fun on there. But Georgie also does, she does have guests on there, but she also does solo episodes where you talk about different aspects of anxiety, which I find really interesting. I just listened to the one on medication, which we haven't really spoken about today, but it's a good episode for people to listen to. It's only like 15 minutes or something. Um, And I found that really interesting just quickly because I um, have never taken any medication for any sort of mental health stuff ever in my life. But I did have a bit of trauma a couple of years ago where I didn't sleep for 10 days and I was like, I need something or this, you know, I'm not going to function. And they gave me some tamazepam and <laughs> the it was great. Yeah. yeah, the benzos because I got to sleep, Yeah, but I had no quality of sleep, right? So I was sleeping, my mind wasn't racing, but my body wasn't benefiting from the sleep at all. So it didn't really help in the long run. And also I became quite addicted to it because I couldn't sleep without it. Yeah. Yeah. I've had close loved ones go through that exact same thing. And it's, it's just like, it's such a hard place to be because it's like, what, what is helping here? But as you said, like, you can't, you can't keep going like that 10 days of no sleep. Yeah. So it's a tricky one. So it's a good episode because you do look at it from all angles and it's like, you know, in some instances, you know, if you need to get through a patch, it can be helpful as long as you're aware of all the other holistic aspects that you can be looking at in order to treat it long-term. Exactly. I think we did touch on it briefly where I was saying it's a, it's a way to cope, but it's not, um, yeah, it's not, it's not addressing the, the, the deeper reasons why. So when you're in that place of coping, what people tend to do is they just like keep going on with life as it was. And it's like, well, hang on, like the volcano erupted for a reason. Let's go look at what's going on there. Um, when you're in a space where you can deal with that, are you going to want to go and work on your trauma when you've had 10 days of no sleep? hell no and it's just like let's just get this this body like back into some kind of functioning zone um first but 
Yeah, thanks for highlighting that. It's it's a very important one and, and one that I'm I'm very passionate about as well. And that's not to say any any. I hope it's very clear. There's no stigma or shame around medication. There are of times when it is appropriate, um, but always always talk to your doctor about this as well and get their, whoever prescribed it to you. All right, thank you, my love. Enjoy the rest of your trip, and um, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.